Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, the eye is an amazing creation and a most wonderful gift that God gives to us that we are able to see. We're able to see creation around us, take in the beauty of God's handiwork. We use our eyes to read, to learn, to gain. We also use our eyes in communication. We look at each other. We express our emotions with our eyes. You can read from the eyes sometimes what lives in the other. It's a beautiful gift, the gift of eyesight. But we also know that eyes can cause problems. And I'm not talking here about physical problems, they're there too, but spiritual ones. Because our eyes can look at things that are not right and that can influence us. And we live in a culture and a time that is very visual. We're bombarded by visual images, social media, other media. And it can be very, very helpful, very beautiful to be able to see to be able to watch others on a little clip. But it can also be sinful and tempting. And it impacts all of us, young and old. Because you see, the eyes are the gates to our hearts. Note the connection in verse 36 and 37 between the heart and verse 36 and the eyes in verse 37. Because the eyes lead to the heart. And the point of this stands in Psalm 119, the psalm that speaks about the beauty of God's law and how to live as those who have been redeemed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his perfect obedience to God's law. The point of this stanza is whether we are guarding the gates to our hearts. And whether we're teaching that. And how can you guard the gates to your heart? Well, you need to pray for that. That's the whole verse is a prayer. And you pray for being able to look at God. And as you look at God, you look at His law. And so the beauty of God's law and the importance of God's law is, ex- is exposed here expounded on here in terms of helping us look at what is right and to keep our eyes away from what is wrong and selfish and worthless. And so the theme for the sermon this morning, as I proclaim to you God's word, is, O Lord, turn my eyes to your life-giving ways. O Lord, turn my eyes to your Lord, to your life-giving ways. As I said, we will be focusing especially on verses 36 and 37, but it's important to get the sense of the whole stanza from 33 through 40. So that's what we will do first, have a look at the setup and the structure and the lesson in this verse. This verse in Psalm 119 
has seven lines that are petitions, prayers. And then it closes in verse 40 with a longing that is expressed. And the first three petitions have something in common. If you have a look at verse 33, 34, 35, they begin with, teach me, O Lord. Verse 34, give me understanding. 35, lead me in the path of righteousness, in the path of your commandments. With all three, and they're very quite personal, me, I, this is what I need. And these are prayers to indicate that we are dependent on the Lord. So the psalm teaches us that you need to know your place before the Lord in order to live a life pleasing to God, and that will be applied to how we work with our eyes, we have to begin with realizing that we are totally dependent on the Lord and His grace. We cannot do this in our own strength. And that is why, teach me, O Lord, give me understanding, lead me in the path. It's humility. It's not, well, I can control my eyes, I can control my life. To humbly walk with the Lord is a life of humble prayer. Because he only can help us by his grace. There again, you see the Psalm 119 is not a psalm in which the poet says, look how good I am, but a psalm that says, I need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that is a grace also that has impact on your life. For notice that all three verses not only have a petition, but also end with a pledge, with a promise or a commitment Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. I mean, all the way. Give me understanding that I may keep your law, and I will observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in them. I take delight in them. So there are prayers three times, but then also commitment, and that shows Sincerity. So not only humility, also sincerity. That what you ask, you also want to do. I will keep your law till the end. I will delight in it. I will observe it. So here what you have is what we also confess in our catechism, that even though we are sinners, yet there is this, this, this commitment to that sincere desire to keep the commandments of God with all our heart. That's how the stanza begins. And then come verse 36 and 37, indicating why that prayer, these prayers are so important because of what our hearts can do and what our eyes can do. Our hearts can look for selfish gain and our eyes can look at worthless things. And we'll come to that. And then the stanza concludes with the verses 38 through 40 with an appeal to God's promise. Confirm to your servant your promise. And that, that appeal is so important because God can also reproach those who do not, verse 39, 
an awareness of God's punishment over disobedience. And so it ends with this longing. I long for your precepts. And that is the righteousness that we need for our lives. So three petitions. Then the two verses about a heart and eyes. And then you could say the result, the, the plea for help and strength and confirmation. Psalm 119, I'm sure you, you're aware of that, has a lot of repetition. Because it is a song that's quite lengthy and it has a focus on God's law. So yes, there is a repetition. But each stanza usually also has something in it that is in a way unique to this part. And it can be by something new that is mentioned or something that was mentioned in the previous stanza that is more explained. And that's what you see here in verse 36. In the middle of this stanza, you have in a way the element worth what was mentioned in the previous stanza is now elaborated on. Because first 32, we ended there with you enlarge my heart and I will run in the way of your commandments. Mentioned our hearts. And I said two weeks ago that heart is like your operating system. That is what makes you do what you do to decide what you decide. And the heart has to be inclined to the way of the Lord and the commandments of the Lord. And why is that so important? Well, because this heart is inclined to selfish gain, verse 36. So my heart is inclined to selfish gain, and that's why I need God's grace to incline my heart to his testimonies. But that involves an admission. And that is that my heart, what I do and, and what I decide and why I decide it, it, tends to favor myself. Do what I want to do, what benefits me. Selfish gain. And yes, that speaks here about material gain, coveting, greed, wealth. But more than that too, if you think about how the Catechism explains the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet, that not even the slightest thought contrary to any of God's commandments should ever arise in our hearts. And it means it deals with what lives in our heart, in mind, and what we think. And that is also, it can be selfish. That what I decide and why I decide what I do has this selfish element in it. I want to benefit from it, whether it is financially or in other ways. And if you let your heart go, that's what will happen. And you see, that is then followed by verse 37, where it then says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. And that sequence is very instructive. Because one way in which this selfish gain can control my life and my decisions is by what, hap- what I let my eyes feast on. What I see. My eyes are the gates to my heart. That's why I say this is the center of this verse. And the lesson here is what are you doing with your eyes? 
Do you realize that your eyes are the doors to what lives in you? As also the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6. Yes, eyes are a wonderful gift. It's an amazing gift. To be able to see things is truly amazing. I think of Psalm 8, the beauty of God's creation. But that is, I see them, when I see the stars, when I see creation. How great is your name, O Lord. With the eyes, we can take in how beautiful God has made all things. And we can rejoice in that. But eyes also function, I said, in relationships. A parent looks at a child. And, and the way the parent looks at a child is different than anyone else looking at his child because of this, this bond, this close connection. And a child looks to the parent because there's love. In fact, if you go through the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, and, and you would look at the way the two of them look at each other, the function of the eye in that song, and you see beauty Communication and, and love and commitment. And our eyes also function in our relationship with the Lord. We lift our eyes up to the Lord. And his eyes are upon us. Because his face is turned toward us. He sees us. We look to him. And that's also what we sang in Psalm 27. About the beauty of the Lord and seeing the beauty of the Lord. That's why we're here this morning. To see the beauty of the Lord. That the Lord shows us who he is. And of course that was in the Old Testament very visual. With all the sacrifices and the tabernacle. But that is what we now see in Jesus Christ. So yes the eyes are a beautiful gift. But we also know that the eye can lead to deep, deep problems. And that because of our fall into sin, also our eyesight has been changed. We learn from Genesis, Genesis 3, that the woman saw the fruit after she had heard what the serpent had said. And when she saw that fruit, she saw it was a delight to the eye. And she coveted it. And she took. And she ate and she gave to her husband. And then they saw that they were naked. Their vision is corrupted. They now see and covered. Selfish gain. Or you can think of David. On the top of his palace. And seeing this woman bathing and not averting his eyes, looking somewhere else, but taking it in and then calling for her. And the result is adultery and murder. What you see goes into your heart and it will impact your decisions, your actions. The advertising industry knows that. If they can catch your eye with something catchy, then they hope that you will then also buy what they want to offer to you. And they inundate you with these visual images. 
of happy people and wonderful products. Because they know how important eyes are. And the tempter, the devil, he knows. And he lays it out before our eyes. Take. And that is why we pray, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. That's a prayer that we all need every day. Worthless things that makes you think of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, everything is worthless, empty. It means it has no substance. And, and it tells us that what gives substance, what gives meaning, also in what you look at, is God's glory. His kingdom and his service. Worthless is that which is no longer filled with the honor of God. It is empty. And how much of what is presented to us and to our eyes in our world is indeed worthless. It is empty. So much that you see via the media it just fuels greed. It fuels desire, fuels violence, and so much of it is just empty, worthless. And do we then let our eyes feast on that and take it in? Because that will lead to your heart. There's more to this word worthless, because in the Bible it is also used for idols. These idols are nothing. They are empty. They, they promise you the world, but they don't really give. They, they make them with eyes on them, but they don't see. They, they make them with mouths on them, but they don't speak. Sing Psalm 115. And that means there is emptiness in the world of idolatry. And that's why John, in the part that we read from his first letter, chapter 2, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. Doesn't that sum up the world in which we live? The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. It is not from the Father. It is from the world. And the world is passing away. It is empty. It is worthless. And all its desires too. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And that is why the Spirit teaches us this prayer. Yes, it is a prayer. Because we all know how difficult it is to control our eyes. And to not just let your eyes linger on something that is not right. I think of the sermon last week about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In myself, I'm so weak. I cannot stand for a moment. And the enemy is so cunning. uses all the technology that is there, the psychology that's available. And the only way I can stand is when I pray. Lead me not into temptation. 
Because if the tempter can catch my eye, he can try to get into my heart. Think about that when you are behind your screen, when you're on your phone. can lure you in. And don't think, well, I can handle that. And it leads to, to wanting stuff, greed, materialism. It can lead to unchastity, feeding sexual desires. Think of the whole pornographic industry flourishing because of all the media that can advocate it and how easy it is to get there. And he brings it right, right into your own privacy. You just have to go to your phone or to your computer. And you know how it is that when we are amongst, amongst others, we're more careful. And when we, when we work or live among those who do not serve the Lord, we are very careful to make sure that we do the right thing, to fight with the free and a good conscience. But then when we come home, we can easily let our guard down and relax, put up our feet and watch. And then the gates are open. So living in a visual Gauntless world. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray for this. And we need to teach our children to pray for this. Do we? Or do we allow our eyes free range? Telling ourselves, I'm only looking. Do we let the vanity, the emptiness, the worthlessness come into our lives and our hearts? I mentioned Psalm 115 about the idols. And in Psalm 115 it says, When you follow them and take them in, you become like them. That means you become worthless, empty, void of life. And therefore, and that is the next part of verse 37, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways in order to be able to turn away from that worthlessness and to govern our eyes and to not look at what we should be looking at, we need to also look at what is right and what is lasting and what has worth, what is filled with the glory of God. And that is God's ways, your ways, which are ways of life. And within the whole context here, that is, of course, God's word. These are the commandments. And therefore we ask. And the Spirit teaches us. If you want to be able to work properly with your eyes, you have to let them feast on what is good. Give me life in your ways. Pray for that, brothers and sisters. But that is a prayer that must lead also to action. And that is why these verses are in the middle of these other verses that all express that. Teach me, O Lord, I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding, I will observe that with my whole heart. Lead me in the path, because I delight in it. 
confirm your promise to us. I long for your precepts. That all shows there's where we have to go to. And this is what the Lord Jesus brought out. In the passage that we read from Matthew. Self-discipline. If your eye causes you to sin, take it out. Yes, indeed, self-discipline. It's not easy to tell yourself, I'm not allowed to see this. Stop it. And that's why you pray. Because as I said before, Psalm 119 is not a statement of how good we are and how well we do. It is the Spirit teaches us, this is how you have to live in Christ. Now that you have been redeemed, this is what I ask of you. You have been delivered delivered from the bondage to sin. And therefore serve Him with your eyes. And do not let them wander in whatever direction they want to go. And you can pray this only because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the one in whom Psalm 119 truly is fulfilled is our Savior, whose eyes were always focused on the Father, who were always focused on what had worth and glory and power, and who turned away from what was worthless. When the tempter came to him and showed him all the kingdoms, and he saw them, then he went to the word of God and the commandments of his Father. And he did that in your place. He did it for us. So that when I let my eye wander, and I know I saw what I shouldn't have seen, I may go to him and say, Lord, forgive me. You who had your eyes focused on the Father in my place. You who cover my sin, also the sin of what I see. Forgive me and help me. And therefore, in your struggle, go to him. Confess to him. Seek him. His spirit comes to us. His spirit comes to us and says, Be careful, I, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down on you in love. And therefore lift your eyes up to him in your daily battle and feast on his word. Feast on the king and his beauty. Amen.